to Philippians 2.15, please. Alright. The title of my message this morning, and don't be too quick to define this title because you probably will have a different mentality of this word than probably what I'm preaching today. But the title of the message is, You Are His Stars. You are His stars. Now don't think about it deeply. Just think about right now what your impression of that title is when you hear it. You are His stars. Immediately you probably have pictures of grandeur. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I'm His star. I'm, You know, and you begin to puff up a little bit maybe. And you begin to think about what our definition in society today is about stars. But God, we'll find out today, has a whole different definition of stars. And that's what I want God to really reveal today. What His stars are and what they mean. And this is a deep message. And uh, But we, I want you to remember how you first thought about stars when you heard it. Because this scripture that I'm going to read clearly says we are His stars. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before You today, Lord. Father, we have a solemn task, Lord, to be Your stars, Lord. And Lord, I just pray today that You would anoint this message, Lord. Father, let the power of the Holy Spirit come upon me, Lord God, not my intellect to be received, Lord, not my emotions, Lord God, but Your Word straight from You. Let it be like a flame of fire, Lord. Let it be like the oracles of God spoken from Your lips, Lord. Hide me behind Your cross and release Your good news, Lord. Father, I pray today that You would anoint the hearts of the hearers, Lord. That there would not only be a supernatural voice for me, Lord God, but a supernatural ear where You said only the Spirit allows us to hear, Lord. Let us hear today, Lord God. In Your name we pray. Everybody said... All right, Philippians 2.15 says, So that you may, may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped... And if you don't have NIV, you might just want to listen to me. Uh, over the years, I, I really like about every version that's a good version. You know, I grew up on King James Version. I've, I've liked every version, but be, being a youth pastor for so long, I've always read from NIV, so I've just kind of gotten used to that, and it seems to me one of the easiest ones to understand. So if you don't have NIV, maybe you'll hear it a little better. If you want to follow in another version, you can, but uh, I think it's easier to follow if you just listen sometimes. But It says, so you may be blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. How many would agree with that? A warped and crooked generation around us. Then, then what? Come blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then, hold on. Then you will shine among them. It didn't say you were stars. It says like stars in the sky. Now I'm going to take you to Daniel 12, 1 to 3. And it kind of follows up a little more on that theme. Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, it says, and in most Bibles have subtitles to show you what that section's about. 
And this one says, end times. The end times. That means the period that we're living in right now, Daniel was prophesying this to the people. It says, at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, that's an angel, the angel Michael, will rise. He will rise. Okay? There will be a time, this is the end times, there will be a time of distress. In fact, how many people their Bible has a subtitle that says the end times on it? Most Bibles will say that's the prophecy of the end times. It says, there will be a time of distress such as not happen from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, okay, there's a specific time in the end times, but there's this period where it's going to become more and more distressed and then extreme stress, right? In fact, it says in the last days, people's hearts will actually fail them. It'll be so distressing at the time. But it says, but at that time, your people, that's us, everyone, just in case we didn't know that was us, everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. So it's combining two areas that are actually separated by time a little bit. It'll be the rapture and then also the resurrection of the dead uh, that were also wicked. So it's covering long periods of time here. Then it says, those who are wise, okay, this is what we want to be. The purpose of this message, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and they will lead many to righteousness like, they didn't say you were stars, right? Like the stars forever and ever. Okay? And even Jesus said, you are the light of the world, Matthew 5.14. town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do light do you light a lamp, put it under a bowl, instead they put it on a stand, give light to everyone in the house. In the same way that a town is not hidden when it's on a hill, the same way the light is not put under a table because it's made to give light, he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father who is in heaven. Okay. There are three real reasons for stars, and one that I think they're particularly trying to tell us in this message. In fact, God speaking to me, one, one is the brightness of the stars, which I'll be honest with you, the brightness of the stars is not really um, the dominant feature of stars. Stars will brighten the sky. If you're in the city, you hardly notice them, right? It's not one of the dominating. In fact, they called the sun the greater light, and they called the, the moon the lesser light when God created the heavens and the earth. And he started to say, well, the sun and the moon would help you with seasons. And uh, But then the stars, so the brightness isn't really the dominant feature of the stars, right? Uh, they give light. You know, like I said, most of the time you don't say, let me go out and uh, read this book because I'm, uh, you know, I go out underneath the stars. You know, and usually the stars you go out and you look at. Well, here's the dominant feature that God is showing me with these stars. And all through the Bible, there's a pattern, a positive pattern and a negative pattern with stars. And you really need to really hear this today because it's going to tell us um, about ourselves within the church, how we operate. And God is giving this message specifically to our specific church today. And um, so what God is saying is, here's the big thing. 
How many know back in the time of Jesus, there were not GPSs? There were not navigational devices. Um, there were no compasses, right? They may have had some makeshift ability to, to find a magnetic north, but how did they normally navigate themselves? So when they're speaking about this all through the Bible, when he says you're to be like the stars, I believe the thing that he's trying to tell us is we're the navigational tool of the world. So if you're a sailor and you're out in the middle of an ocean, how many have ever been in the middle of an ocean? The difference between a river and the ocean when you go to the ocean for the first time is you do not see land. A river, usually you can see the other side. But when you get on an ocean, it is a scary thing because there's such a high percentage of ocean that when you're lost in the ocean, it goes forever and ever and ever and something inside of you begins to feel the despair starts to creep in. And you start to say, I'm lost. I have no way to find my way back. I don't know what direction I'm going. I'm getting more and more and more lost. And the world that we live in is lost. They have no other means of navigation. They have no ability to navigate themselves. The only way that they know true north is to look at the stars. And what God is saying is, I've placed my people in places and they are to be stars. And God wants us to fulfill our purpose, not as a person. And here's one of the first differences between the stars we hear about today and the stars that God wants us to be. Everybody says, well, I'm a star, you know, I'm this independent, you know, I do what I want, I do as I please, look at me, I'm bright. And the Bible's going to talk about different kinds of stars. And so that's what I really want to bring out today. What kind of star are you? And God is saying clearly, you're to be my navigational beacon. Have you ever been in the middle of the woods and you're like, I have no idea where I took a wrong turn. Or you ever been in a car, and, and we've got the benefit a lot of times of having a built-in compass on our car, and how many men, and some women, the first thing you look for is true north. I do. I try to figure out which way is the north. I try to figure out which way is the south, which is the west, and which is the east. I'm trying to get my navigational bearings on me. I'm trying to figure out you know, I know if I go south, that's going to take me back to the direction I want to go. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking about a map. I'm thinking about true north. And if I know where north is, what do I know? I know where south is. Then I know where west is, and I know where east is. Well, if we are the stars of God, and we're the only navigational tool that the world has to look at, how will they ever find their way if we're not in our right place? And that's what God has called us to do today. And here's the thing, one of the things that God wants me to speak about is there are a lot of people in the church of God, the church of Christ, the church as a whole, and in our local church that want to be stars. And that desire to be a star like the world-defined stars will cause our church to go in such a bad, awful direction. And many, many people will be led astray and God, it'll be a shipwreck of everybody who's around you. And what God wants to do is God wants us to be fixed. He wants us to be true north. In fact, did you know this? There are over 6,000... <clears> my <throat> voice just broke. I think I'm going through uh, maturity now. 
So bear with me. This is uh, new to me. I don't know what's going to happen here. But, uh, but my voice is finally breaking, so that's good. Wonderful. But there are 6,000 stars that are visible on a given night. Give or take, you know, maybe more on certain given nights and certain given seasons. But let's say there's 6,000 visible stars on a given night. The U.S. Navy, for navigational purposes, they say that there are 59, no, 58, 58 navigational stars that are in the sky for navigation. So of the 6,000, there are 59 that an that a experienced navigator will be able to find. And through certain calculations, the most common of those um, is Polaris, which is the North Star. So that's the one that is the most true that we can actually find our navigational bearings. But a great navigator that understands these 59 navigational stars can in some way from any of those 59... Thank you. From any of those 59, he can find his way. He can find his bearings and find his way there. And that really speaks to me about the body of Christ. The body of Christ has been placed in communities. The body of Christ has been placed in workplaces. You say, well, what? wait a minute, isn't that the church? I mean, aren't you the pastor, our navigational guide? No. God has put all of these stars within constellations. In fact, it says 57... They're all within 38 constellations. So 59 stars, but they can only be found by their constellation. You know what that means? That means how do I know that I have the correct star? The only way that I know is their relationship to the other stars in a constellation. You've seen the constellation, the Big Dipper, for instance. You can tell what stars are in that constellation by identifying the bright star and then identifying the rest of the constellation. Well, there are 38 different constellations, and there are 59 stars within those 38 constellations that you can navigate yourself. So what the Bible is saying is, there are groups of people that I have put in this world, and they're going to be interconnected with each other. You know, They're not going to be individuals who are on their own. They're not going to be independent. They're not going to be people who wander from church to church. They're going to be in strong constellations, accountable people, steady people, steadfast people, fixed people. And that constellation, you're going to be able to find your navigational bearings. If you're lost, look for those people. If you're lost, God put us in those workplaces and those families God's put us in this world and we have to fulfill our role to navigate the world safely to harbor. There are ships out there today that if we did not have technology would be totally dependent on finding a navigational star or they would not make it back to shore. They would not make it safely to harbor. And there are people, just as sure as there were people that looked at the stars, there are people in this world that are going to be dead and lost if you do not represent God as a navigational beacon. If you're not able to be a navigational star, there are going to be people that are going to be lost. And there are going to be adversely people that are saved because they looked at your life. And we have a responsibility. You say, 
That's my responsibility as an individual. Maybe. It's your responsibility as a church. The individuality is what this message is speaking against. No man is an island. God has called us to to be in churches. God has called us to be who we're supposed to be within the body and the framework of the church, which is the body of Christ. You say, well, I'm independent. Hold on to that idea. I kind of go where I feel like going. I move where I want to move. You know, I don't feel like I want to be tied down by one church because my illumination, my illumination needs to be spread out among many churches. Because Paul was a star, star such as I. And I'm just saying this, and I'm not, and I really don't want to try to be, I don't, I don't want to be funny, really. That's all right to laugh at. You know, makes me feel like I'm really funny. Eddie will be up here to tell me I'm not. But what God is really concerned about, as we begin to see this, I want you to see the two different kinds of stars. Because there's a danger in being the other kind. There's another kind of star. In fact, let me read the commentaries on Jude. Read Jude. Listen to the other star. Jude chapter, Jude has one chapter, so Jude verse 11 through 16. Listen to this. This is the other kind of star. Remember I said there are navigational stars? There's a whole other classification of stars. They are called wandering stars. In fact, the positive is you will shine like stars, right? The end times you will shine like a star, right? Like a star. Here's the negative, and we have to we have to get the negative. Some people in the last days, the Bible said, will want all messages that are positive. They'll want them to tickle their itching ears. They'll want them to say things that sound good to them. But we got to get the negative of every message too, because this is what we don't want to be. It says, woe to them. That means judgment is coming upon them. They have taken the way of Cain. Now, what was Cain? Cain's sin, right? Cain was a religious man, but Cain was very proud and did not want to come to God the way God asked him to come to him, right? So there was a mark put on Cain. He slew his brother, did not obtain forgiveness, and he said he will be a wanderer for the rest of his life, right? So Cain was this wandering spirit And Cain went on, you may not know this, but Cain went on to have a very successful family. You know, they were inventors of great things, instruments and metals. and I mean, they did wonderful things, this family, but he was a wandering spirit. He was an independent star, if you will. Okay? And it says this about Cain. Woe to them, the people that Jude is talking about. Jude's actually talking to the church and false teachers and false leaders in the church. The whole book is about false teachers and false leaders. Go home and read that book. It's very interesting. But he says, they have taken the way of Cain, this church, this group of leaders. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's heir. They have des- they were destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These are three different instances in the Bible of rebellious people who wouldn't do it God's way. They were religious people, all of them. But they all wanted to do it their own way and not God's way. 
says, these people are blemishes at your love feast. They eat with you without the slightest calm. They're shepherds who feed only themselves. Now what this means is, they have no problem benefiting themselves over you. You know, a lot of times you see preachers on TV that are more than happy to take advantage of you to become wealthy. And this is, on the local level, this is very similar to that. They don't want to do things the right way. They want all the attention to come to them. They want all the profit to come to them. They want all the uh, eyes to look at him and say, he's a star. He's wonderful. He's great. He's a star. This is the opposite of what God's talking about. They go on. He said they are, and I want you to hear this, five natural phenomena that he compares them with. He says they are clouds without rain. They're blown along with the wind. They're autumn trees. This is a tree in the fall that should have lots of fruit, right? They're an autumn tree that bears no fruit and is uprooted and twice dead. They're like wild waves of the sea that foams up shame. Okay, this is the waves that are churning in a storm and all the ugliness comes up on the bank, right? Then he says, they are wandering stars for whom the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about them. The Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones, fifteen or, or, verse 15, every, to judge everyone and convict all of them of their ungodly acts they've committed in ungodliness and to all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against God. These people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. You see, this is in the church. These are people that are in the church and everything is going to them. All the boastfulness is with them. Uh, They're grumblers. In fact, it's interesting because um, Paul says the same thing in Philippians 2.14, the one we read where he says, you will be my stars. He says, do everything without complaining and grumbling. You notice in both instances where he wants you to be the star, he says, don't be a complainer or grumbler. And he said the ones that were um, the, the wandering stars, they were complainers and grumblers. It's a sign to watch. They, they drew all the attention to themselves. All the profit went to themselves. You know, they were real stars in the church, and God was warning us about this. Now, when you begin to study astronomy, did you know that the word planet, do you know what that word means? The original word planet means to wonder. Because this is what they were looking at in the ancient world. And currently, this is what we look at. There were five wandering stars, they called it. And they were planets. And all the other stars that you could use for navigation, they were steady, steadfast, and faithful. They always followed the exact circuit around the earth where you could watch it. Every night you would see the same navigational stars, right? But the planets were called the wandering stars because the planets took a course that was not predictable. They were bright. They were very evident to see. But the word planet meant wandering stars. In fact, all through the Bible, God talks about these planets because the planets looked like they had a mind of their own. Like Venus would come up in the morning 
It would disappear for a long period of time and it would pop back up in the evening. Right? And, 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 the, and what the Bible is saying is these planets, these wandering stars, are not good for navigation. They have a mind of their own. They're deceptive. In fact, let me read the um, commentaries on these wandering stars. This is from Dr. Henry Morris. Have anybody ever read Dr. Henry Morris? He actually is a scientist. He's the father of creation research. He has PhDs in several branches of science. And he says this about the wandering stars. He says, They are wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Jude one thirteen. he says, This short reference is somewhat enig- enigmatic. The five wandering stars that he speaks of is Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. They were clearly known in Jude's day. Their behavior has been plotted for many centuries. The Bible uses stars as figures of speech for angelic beings in Job and Revelation, but it's clear in the context that Jude is actually referencing ungodly people, most likely influential leaders in the church, who are damaging and defiling the work of the kingdom. He's referring to planets that are wanderers as stars in the church that are defiling the work of God. Now why does he compare them to the planets? Because the planets do what they want. They do as they please. They don't operate within constellations. They don't operate predictably. They're not steady. They're not steadfast. They're always wandering around and moving around. And they're like, I do my own thing because I am a star. By the way, who was the first star mentioned in the Bible? Lucifer. Do you know that the, the, the star that he says that he is, is the morning star? That's Venus. That's the one that comes up in the morning, disappears for a long time, and it looks like a real navigational beacon, doesn't it? But it pops up, disappears, where did it go, where did it go, where did it go? Pops up in the end of the evening and says, here I am again. Clearly in the Bible, they call Jesus the morning star. And it's very representative It's like God hung it in the heavens to say, this is what my son will do. He'll rise up, he'll be gone for a while, and there he'll be again. But Satan calls himself the morning star. Isn't that just like Satan to try to take the glory of God? And and, and all through the Bible you see Satan. Isn't isn't it odd that Satan and Jesus are calling themselves by the same name? Isn't that interesting? But he was the first Positive and negative star. The the two similarities between the two is very interesting if you look at it. Jesus was totally selfless and He appeared to give Himself, but Satan was full of pride and he wanted to be a star. He wanted everybody to look at His illumination. And what God is trying to say is, in the church, we can't have these stars. We need stars. We need people who are navigational beacons. You say, but wait a minute, I want a higher position. I have a term that I use a lot. I call it the John Wesley Syndrome. And this, simply put, is something I made up, but it's the young person that rises up and believes they're the next great reformer. All right, And you see him, and it's like it's really hard to talk to him about the Bible. It's really hard to talk to him about church work because they've always got this great work They're about to change the entire world and everybody just has not recognized them yet. I am the next John Wesley and you just don't know it yet. 
And it's very difficult to get anything done with the John Wesley syndrome because they're afraid to do the small things. They're afraid to be great in the little things. They're afraid to have humility. They're afraid to do the things that God's called us to do in the church, like clean a bathroom. And it's hard to get anything done because it's a star that just moves wherever it wants. And it never has any, uh, it never has any stability to it at all. It's just a star. And that star can begin to develop into something really evil within the church. And my desire is not to point out the stars and get rid of them. My desire is to find those stars and figure out why God placed them where they placed them. It's not an accident that you've been placed where you're at. You say, well, I should be such a higher level. No. Right where you're at is where God has called you today. If you're faithful where God has placed you, God will illuminate you. But you've got to be faithful where you're at. You say, well, I'm miserable because I want to be doing something else. God wants to work on your misery. God wants to work on your trust for Him. God wants to make sure you understand that you have a purpose for being put in the sky where you're at. You better find out why it is. Praise the Lord. Henry Morris goes on and he says, Jude mentions the angels in this chapter as not keeping their first estate. And now they are reserved in everlasting chains of judgment till the great day. Peter alludes to the same punishment about the angels. But it does not appear that Jude is speaking about the angels. The angels did the same thing. God put them in a place and they didn't want to stay in that place. They wanted something else. So they became a certain kind of star. They, they were what God called wandering stars. They refused to be where God put them. That sound familiar? We like sheep have gone astray. We don't want to be where God put us. But God said, no, sure enough, you were born in that family. Sure enough, you have that name. Sure enough, you're in Henderson. Listen to this preacher. He said, oh, I should have a much better church. We're in a storefront. But sure enough, like my brother said this morning, you were called to be here. And if we could figure out how to work together as a constellation for God, God can do amazing things. But the problem you have in church is people don't want to be where God called them. I'm happy to be where God called me. The last two and a half years, I've sat alone in my house as a janitor. I've had nowhere to preach. I'm happy to be there. I ever complained about being there? Loved it. God put me here. This is where I'm supposed to be. I was the preacher to the toilets. Or I was minister. I was the pastor of my automotive buildings that I cleaned. Okay, I had no problem with that. Because God put me there to shine. Put me there as a navigational beacon for somebody there. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. You might be a dad. You might be a mom. God put you there. Praise the Lord. Henry Morris goes on, he says, It does not appear that Jude is speaking of angels in this text. Beginning in verse 8, he begins to tie his illustration to people. Leaders who are misusing their role and privileges for evil rather than good. All of the previous examples are obvious. Filthy dreamers, natural beasts, those behaving like Cain, Balaam, and Korah. They're waterless clouds, fruitless trees, foaming waves, and compared to wandering stars. How do we apply this, though? The Creator made all things. His revealed Word often provides insight to the true nature of the universe long before we discover it. Here's the next commentary. Listen to this. 
we should be the stars, but we are not to be the wandering stars. They are false leading stars. So many Christians today are not stars. However, are stars. And some are wandering stars. There are leaders and teachers in today's Christianity who fall in this category. A proper star, now listen to this, a proper star has a certain position with a fixed orbit. It continues on its course steadfastly, but there are some stars that have no fixed position or orbit. They are called wandering stars. Wow! Isn't that amazing how God does that? Now let's go to the positive. Well, actually, let me stay with the negative a little bit longer here. Five, I, lo- I actually like the negative. I embrace the negative. I really do, because I want God to show me where I can improve. And a person who doesn't want to hear the negative isn't trying to improve. Okay, the negative shouldn't make you sad. All right, the negative should say, I'm glad I know that so I can be the positive. Okay, but there were five natural things that he mentions there. I want to talk about each one real fast. He said that the false teachers, number one, were like hidden reefs. Hidden reefs. Have you ever been in a boat? Now the reef that uh, you see, no, everybody knows what a reef is. It's like a stone ledge when you're driving a boat, right? The ones that are above the water aren't too bad, are they? You may have ever hit one under the water. It'll tear a boat to pieces. It'll tear a prop off. It'll tear the front of the boat up. But the ones that are above the water you see and you usually don't have any problem, you'll navigate around them. But it's when these shelves of rock are just below the surface and you don't see them. He said these stars that have no steadfastness to them, that have their own orbit, he said they're like a hidden reef. That means that we're just kind of cruising along in unity. We're trying to accomplish great things for God as this constellation that people are uh, drawn to for navigation. And all of a sudden, this ship that we're in just, just crashes. Like, what just happened? Arguments, discord, somebody's trying to draw attention to themselves. Somebody's trying to, and I'm telling you, just be very careful and pray because you're not automatically kicked out of the house of God if you have these attributes. These are attributes all of us have. And when you walk into God's house and you think, man, I want people to hear me say that word. I want people to look at me and believe I'm something that I'm not. And what God wants us to do is have humility. God wants to have our interactions to be humble. To not think more highly of ourselves than we really are. And there may be no danger in saying, wow, did, did people hear my, what I said about that? Or did people know that I, you know, what level I give? You know, do people know what I'm doing for God? Those aren't necessarily mean you're like a totally evil person. It just means that God is saying, if we want to be everything God wants this church to be, let's put that stuff aside. Let's try to walk into God's house in humility and humbleness. Don't be the next John Wesley. I'll guarantee you, John Wesley didn't become John Wesley by being the next John Wesley. He had humbleness. He had humility. People threw tomatoes at him. His wife... Didn't particularly like his preaching. He was humbled and humiliated in order to get humility. 
And so you can't come in and say, I'm the next John Wesley because he didn't do that. Okay? And so God wants to walk into his house and clothe ourselves in humility. Or what's going to happen is this church is going to run into that reef and it's going to take us time to prepare to repair that. And we'll lovingly do it. We'll lovingly give everybody an opportunity to, you know, if it's serious enough to approach and, you know, you know, return to the proper way. I mean, we will deal with it though. It's something that has to be dealt, dealt with because here's what I, here's what Paul did. Think about this, Corinth. A lot of the things that the people of Corinth were doing were not sins. All Paul was saying was when people walk into God's house, I don't want him to think you're crazy. Now, what was Paul's evil desire here? He wanted people to see navigational beacons and not miss the Lord. So he had to tell the church of Corinth some of the things you're doing in worship. Wait a minute, was Paul trying to tell them they couldn't worship freely? Paul wanted them to worship freely. Paul wanted them to speak in tongues because he did more than all. But he said, you know what, in church, we're going to have everything done decently and in order. Because we want people to come in and not think that you are mad. That's the exact words he says in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. So what we're trying to do is we want to have freedom of worship, but we want to have people that are so humble. There's things that I do and get carried away, and maybe I'm not thinking about the people that are coming in looking for God. But do you know every there are people that follow the stars to this place? You guys realize that? Navigationally, Something led him to this place, and it's probably one of you guys. Something led him here navigationally. And we've got a responsibility to make this place a place where they can find God. And that's what Paul was doing. He wanted to make sure that everybody had the humility to say, if I do anything to stop people from finding God, tell me about it, brother. And see, wondering stars can't do that. Wondering stars go into one place and do anything they want and then go to the next place and do anything they want. And what God's saying is that's not good. Work in constellations. Work with authorities around you. Work with leadership around you. Leader, And then you say, well, what about the leadership? They get away with everything? No. Everywhere that Paul went, he said, have a collegial group of leaders and, and judge one another. And, and all God's saying is if you have humility, we're not going to run into this reef. We're not going to run into this shelf that we don't see. Common humility for one another. The next one he says, and it's funny because there's five planets that were considered wandering stars. He gives five natural phenomena to compare to it. I thought that was pretty interesting that he did that. The second one was clouds without rain. It's like, you know, people will navigationally come to this house. They will be looking for something to refresh their soul. They're looking for something to feed their soul. They're looking for that missing piece they've looked for their entire life. And this is like the drought is what he's comparing here. There's a drought over the land and all of a sudden clouds accumulate in the air and everybody's sitting there like, it's finally going to rain. I'm finally going to get the relief I've been waiting for from this drought my whole life. And the rain comes over, it's very ominous looking, and then it moves on. And what God's saying is we have so many opportunities over our lifetime to reach people. And God's saying, don't be that star that gets in the way. When that cloud comes over this place, it has to rain. When they come in to hear the Word of God, 
I better not have downloaded one off of a website. I better have heard from God. Or I'm a cloud without rain. I'm a star that wants to sound good. I'm somebody that wants to tickle your ears. And God's saying, I have become a cloud without rain. He goes on, number three. Fruitless autumn trees. Autumn is when you should be receiving the fruit, right? This is an autumn tree that has no fruit. How are we going to bear fruit as a church? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Pastor. Because I'm always on the streets. I'm the next John Wesley. I'm a star. I help more homeless than anybody in this area. I know the Bible better than anybody in this area. I'm a star. And what God's saying is, you're a star that is not in a constellation. You know how God reaches the world? He pours His Spirit upon His church. And we work together in a five-fold ministry. Well, that's wrong. No, no. God said... Fuel up on TBN and go wherever you want. And the power's in you, not the church. And see, that's what a lot of people believe because it's a wandering star mentality. I don't need a local church. I don't have to work with the local church. I don't have to be under the leadership of a local church. I'm saying a lot about the local church and I'm not telling you that you haven't been hurt by a local church. I'm not telling you that your local church is perfect. I'm telling you that I have to learn to work together with you. Our board has to learn to work together with you. And if we do that, something amazing happens if we have humility. If we all realize we're not the next John Wesley, but we all realize that 120 average people reach the entire world, God can do something here. He say, no, 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 we need stars here. And you're not a star, Chad. You're not the star that I was expecting. You're... Um, you're not what I hope for. I don't care. You know what that tells me? I'm the kind of star that God's looking for. Because I'm steadily like this. Steadily inadequate. Steadily not the person you were looking for. But if we can all be steady, and we all work together, do you all know what synergy is? Synergy is when we all work together. We'll try synergy on steroids because that's what the Holy Spirit will do with our synergy. The Holy Spirit will take a working together church and the enemy will fear this church. And you know what? We're a constellation. There are constellations all over this world. And when our constellation meets up with their constellation, how can a lost person be lost? How can it happen? They can't, but we have to have, we can't be these stars. That's why it's so important that he stresses his message. The next one he says in Jude, they're like foaming waves of the sea. This is the churning that happens when a church is not in unity. This is a churning. You ever seen a bad storm and a churning of the water? You walk across that bank and it was like, where did that tire come from? A muffler? And a giant piece of driftwood and, and you know, all these, uh, cups from Wendy's. And what happened was, this person who is a star, who has his own orbit and his own constellation, 
and is not submitted, you say, oh man, I hate that word. I'm not trying to be mean. I know that word is hard. There's a lot of things in life that make that word difficult. Because somebody in leadership has failed you. But that still doesn't exclude us from the responsibility of working together. You know what? I am pleased. I go, I've been up, I've been under the district's microscope for two and a half months now. I'm there, I'm there. They've examined me thoroughly under their microscopes at the district office. And you know what? I love it. I enjoy it. I, I really, really, really love it. I want it. Why do I want it? Because I want to do, I want to see God do something great with my life and your lives. And if they can find something that's going to hold me back from doing what God wants me to do, please find it. And that's what they're saying here. These people that continue in this way, this wandering way, Cain had no desire to know what God wanted him to do. He wandered away because he had no desire. And what God's saying is, this person will come in like these foaming waves and they'll churn up ugliness. So, well, he's just not going to measure up with Pastor Rod. i got to go somewhere else. Churning. And that's okay if you're grieving. Please don't get me wrong. If you're grieving, you need a period of time to grieve Pastor Rod's death. And I understand that and I'm very sensitive to that. But there's also, that's my reason, man. He did not like him. Can I tell you ahead of time, I'm not Pastor Rod. And I will never try to be Pastor Rod. I love Pastor Rod. Every time you tell me something about Pastor Rod, I am in agreement with you about Pastor Rod. But what I don't want to do, Pastor Rod, if he was standing here today, he would say, move here with my brother. In fact, I was praying about it the other day. It's part, in part of my sermon. I was praying the other day and I said, God, and my heart was, I don't want to leave anybody behind. Because I understand how grieving works and I also understand how hard it is to move forward. And I said, God, what message do you want me to give them? What message can I give them to tell them that Pastor Rod will want you to move on? And, I, and, and God showed me very clearly. Jesus came back in His glorified body and was walking around and talking with Peter. And He used three different words, each one a level higher and a level higher. And He said, do you love me, Peter? Well, of course I love you. Feed my sheep. Then he did it in a more extreme word, and he said, Do you love me? And used a different word that was more aggressive. Of course I love you, Lord. He was getting impatient, and he said, Feed my sheep. And then he asked him another time, Do you really love me? He said, Of course I do. Feed my sheep. And you know, the whole reason that I'm here today is because I love my pastor so much that I want to feed his family. I want to feed his flock. And if you move forward with me, you can help me do the same thing. Pastor Rod would tell you, feed my sheep. He wouldn't say, stay behind. Then move forward. Feed him. Feed him. Let's move forward. Let's move forward. I'm waiting for you. I'm excited to see you. I'm ready to give you a big hug. I want to see you in there as a group. God wants this constellation to stay together. He wants to see us do great things. It's not a slight to Pastor Rod if we do great things. It's a compliment. And God wants us to move together. Nobody's a John Wesley in this group. We're all average fishermen. We're all average uneducated people. Some are more educated than others here. But I'm not afraid to say I'm an uneducated person. 
That's what God built the church on. God's saying, move forward. Let's go do great things. There's nothing holding us back. And then the last, or the last one he used was false teachers who are wandering stars. And now I want to give you the positive. Like I said, I hope you love the negative as much as I do because the negative is really important. A lot of people don't want to hear the negative, but you got to want to have your feet stepped on. It's a good thing. In Philippians, he gives a few things to recognize. Philippians is all about being the right kind of star. Jude is all about being the wrong kind of star. But Philippians says a few things to give you an idea of what a real one is. The first thing he says, if you notice, it says, Therefore, my dear friends, as as you have always obeyed, not only when I was there in your presence, but now much more in my absence. So what do you think the very first one is about being a real star in this church? Obedience. Well, who in the world is Paul talking about being obedient to? Paul is the authority at this church. And Paul established multiple pastors over this church. And it would have been really bad if this church would have been obedient while Paul was there. But then when Paul left, they were disobedient. So one of the first signs of a church, there are times that Leadership is going to come to you. Please understand this. This is I don't want something to happen where I happen to get voted in and then lovingly I'm trying to make sure that God has lined us up to reach the world and mature the saints and do all the things that God wants us to do. And I come in and say, well, guys, lovingly, this is what God wants us to do. And they're like, wow, He changed. Got voted in and now all of a sudden He wants to make sure. And I'm just going to tell you in advance, I understand my call. I will be the leader that God has called me to be. I will be a person that God can trust to do the things He wants to do in this church. But there are going to be some times that we're going to have to learn to just trust each other. It's going to say, and there are times you're going to say, well, why is He telling me to do this or that? And what God is saying is just be a bit, be obedient. Don't be offended. Doesn't mean I'm right all the time. A lot of times you'll come back to the, the board and everything I do, I, these guys are conversations over everything. My elders, every conversation is, here's what I'm going to do. Even the littlest things. Here's what I'm going to do. What do you guys think? And sometimes, this is going to blow your mind. Sometimes, guess what? I'm wrong. And even more amazing, Eddie's wrong sometimes. I didn't even know that was possible. You know, David's even wrong sometimes. But here's the thing, when you're obedient to leadership, it's not because we're perfect, it's because we're honoring Christ. And we're all trying to work together. God has called me to say, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this, or maybe we shouldn't do that, or maybe a leader in the church says, maybe this is something we shouldn't do, and we just can't be running into these underground reefs, underwater reefs. We just got to be humble and have humility and work together and keep moving forward and say, you know what our goals are? We're going to reach the world. We're going to mature the saints and we're going to, we're going to go to our destination where God is leading us because we're not stars in this church. We're stars. Amen. <clears throat> the second thing he says, 
It says, Obey not only my presence, but much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Do you know this work out here uh, means Olympic weightlifting? I'm just making that up. I, I made that up. I'm sorry. There's no Olympic weightlifting. But it actually does mean it's a, um, it's a word, the words used here are a man working in a, a mine, mining silver. Work out your salvation like a man walks into a mine. You know the silver's there, right? You know it's there and it can be brought out and it's valuable, right? He says, you are the kind of stars that God wants if you work it out. That means you get in that heart and say, Pastor, every time you come in here, start reaching in that mine and start that pickaxe and just start beating up the sides and just say, because you know what? There's gold and silver inside of me. In fact, he said what's inside of you is more precious than gold and silver and diamonds. So we got to go in there and you have to be willing every day to say, bring it out of me. Bring it out of me. So the ones who are his stars that will really shine, they're the ones that work it out with fear and trembling. That's that humility again. It's like I'm obedient I want God to work through my church because I want God to change me and I want God to work on me. I want God to make me something I never thought I could be. If you're already that person, how's God going to do it? If you're already great and you're already the next reformer of the church, how in the world is God going to bring it out? You're already beautiful. He said, I didn't, I didn't, he goes, I didn't come to seek and save those who are already saved. I didn't come to, I didn't come to heal those who are already healed. He wants us to walk in this church and say, I'm broken, God. And I heard you can use me too. Chad, I'm going to use you as an example today. Your worship to me is some of the most beautiful worship I've ever seen. Watching my brother worship this morning is beautiful to me. And that's what God wants in this house. If you don't understand that, pray for God to make you understand that. Because there is a mining process God is breaking us. God is humiliating us. God is doing things in us. And God is making us golden. And I mean, it's in there. And we want to submit to that work that God's doing. The next thing. In verse 13 it says, For it is God who is working in you, establishing you both to desire and to work His good purpose. Do you remember He said, They'll see your good works and glorify the Father? The works have already been in you. God has put it in there already. It's your DNA as a Christian to do good works and it's already been placed in there. So people that are not wandering stars, they recognize that inside of me is good deeds that the whole world needs to experience. And if I will submit myself to God and I will apply myself to God, God's going to do great things through me and people are going to look at those things and they're going to say, you are great. No. They're not going to say you're great. When you have the right heart, they're going to say, God is great. They're not going to look at you and say, oh, how He shines. They're going to say, how amazing is God's grace. How wonderful is God. Man, God has put that in your heart to love like that. That's not even a human love. That's beyond human love. That's beyond human forgiveness, beyond human wisdom. And what God's going to do is He's going to, I mean, He's going to make you shine. 
People who are real stars do not complain. Like I said, all the verses said, don't grumble and argue. It's a sure sign that the humility is not there when we're grumbling and arguing all the time. Complaining about where God has us in life. Man, why does God have me here? And I know it's hard sometimes. It's difficult to submit to where God's called you. But try to rejoice. Try to be happy. Try to say, you know what, God has me here for a reason. There's no accidents in this thing. I'm here for a reason. And I want to worship God and praise God and rejoice in God here. Next one, they are faithful and steadfast in their placement. It says, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God, faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world, holding firmly to the message of life. Blameless means you're above reproach, no serious accusations are against you. Pure, you're high quality and unmixed alloy. What you see is what you get. Meaning I'm not coming to church acting like I'm something I'm not. I'm, I'm the same way all the time. Faultless, meaning you're fit to be offered to God like a lamb without spot. This is an important one. Because the last thing is you live for others. You're one who's willing to be presented. Paul said, right now in this scripture, if you read on it, it says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering, but I rejoice, and you in the same way do the same thing. Paul was willing to lay himself down for others. The difference between Lucifer, the morning star, and Jesus, the morning star, he came to lay himself down for other people. He came to sacrifice himself. And I found an interesting story. I'm going to close with this, and then I'm going to close in a word of prayer. The term rest home normally conveys a particular image in America. But in Nigeria, it means something different. It's like a church camp or a conference center. It's an idyllic spot in a rural area, a perfect place for missionaries to rest from their labors. So they have places in Nigeria where the missionaries go and just rest, be taken care of, you know, just you know how weary they must be in Nigeria as missionaries. And it says, one of these rest homes was built in a field called Kirk's Chapel. It's a quiet place, an oasis, a place to meet God. Behind it was a missionary graveyard. As I walked through the graveyard, I was startled by what they said. There were 60 graves of men and women who made the ultimate sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. At least half of the graves were children. Think about this. These are the stars I'm talking about. You're like, well, wait a minute. I thought Justin Bieber was a star. Only to Eddie. Yeah, only to Eddie. That's his wallpaper on his phone. (laughs) These are the stars. I want you to see what a star looks like. Over half of the graves were children. And a missionary rest home. Most of them died in their first weeks of life. I was told in the early part of the 20th century, the life expectancy of a missionary to Africa was eight years. Eight year life expectancy as a missionary to Africa in the 20th century. I saw a grave with a man's name and the dates were 1919 and 1953. That's a 34 year old man. The marker read, placed in loving memory by his wife and children. 
Underneath his name were two words, abundantly satisfied. He goes on. The inscription for one of the young girls in the graveyard said she was with her best friend and her Lord Jesus. The missionary graveyard in Miango sent this message. God's grace is free, but it was never cheap. The missionaries and their children buried their buried there their testimony to the high cost of the Great Commission. Reaching the world has never been easy, and Jesus knew that it wouldn't be. That's why He said you will have suffering in this world. And this is the closing line here. I saw a marker in Miango for a little child who died many years ago. The inscription from his parents said this, We plant this little seed in hope that it will someday bear a harvest of souls for the kingdom. You want to be a star in God's kingdom? Give yourself up. He gave Himself up for you. The message that we preach is not cheap. And what will happen? You'll be a navigational beacon for the world to see. Be a star. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I love You, Lord. Lord, I thank You for this Word, Lord, this message. Father, touch every heart today, Lord. Father, let them take this to heart as we move forward as a church, Lord. And and Father, I pray that there would be humility. We'd be clothed in it, Lord God. Father, that we would be clothed in the courage that only comes from You, Lord. Father, that we would be equipped with the love, Lord God, that... uh, is able to overcome every situation and cover every fault, Lord God. And Father, I just pray that we would walk like You walk, Lord God, in the same humility, in the same love, the same joy. And Father, just make us shine like stars, Lord God. In Your name we pray.